Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hi, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. We're in our 22nd year here on Voice America and very happy to be with you. This is the program that shows you how to turn your obstacles into opportunities and your challenges into solutions and make your dreams come true. And today my guest is Dr. Rodrigo Nardi, uh, MD. He is a psychiatrist and a psychologist, and his work for over 20 years covers individual psychotherapy, inpatient and outpatient psychiatry, substance use treatment, and interventional psychiatry. His passion for teaching and learning led to the creation of the New England Psychiatry Mentorship Institute and the development of a mentoring program designed to address the most frequent challenges related to psychiatric training. He also hosts the uh, Psych Experience, a podcast for professionals in the field of mental health, focused on reducing the excesses of psychiatry and bringing back psychology to the everyday practice of, of, of people, of prescribers. Dr. Nardi will talk about some of the ethical and logical principles of healthcare and his mentorship programs to address challenges related to psychiatric training. Welcome, Dr. Nardi. Thank you, Patricia. It's very good to be here. Yeah, really great. So, you know, what's, I think before I ask you about what's happening in the world of psychiatry, I want to ask you a question that I think is on everyone's mind. And that is with COVID over the past two and a half years, the whole, the mental health issues and the mental health problems in our country have spiked. I mean, they are higher than they've ever been. The mental health issues, the concerns, we know that when we have uncertainty, which we've had with COVID, it brings anxiety. Anxiety can bring anxiety disorder, depression, you know, and worse. So talk about these last two and a half years in terms of the heightened um, problems with um, mental health and also the awareness that's been created around that because there's such a great need and what we can do. Well, I, I like I like very much the question. I think... Um in a sense, uh, this whole uh, COVID experience uh, served uh, to confirm things that we have known, uh, and that in a sense, things that were lost when it comes to our knowledge of psychology and psychiatry mm-hmm. over the past freaking 100 years. Um, but, um, and it actually is very convenient because it's, it's closely related to what I do for a living nowadays. Um, the impact that it had like so, so let's let's take for a second how we used to understand depression until about the uh, 1970s we used to understand depression as a reaction to life events the same for anxiety and um in other words mental illness if we want to use that expression um had as as its cause the relationship between the person and the environment, you know, the, all the tribulations and problems that we face. Um, but then uh, there was a change because of uh, the pharmaceutical industry started to come up with uh, the psychotropics and became just too convenient 
to look at, and actually it was a promise, you know, uh, almost like wishful thinking, but uh, it was too convenient to look to mental illness as a, as a disease of the brain. Mm-hmm. And, and that started pretty much uh, all the misconceptions we have nowadays regarding uh, psychiatry and what medications can do for you. So with COVID, what we saw was an exacerbation of actual problems. People Mm -hmm. uh, were uh, unemployed, having financial struggles. They were afraid of contracting disease that could kill Mm -hmm. them or uh, render them, you know, uh, very limited for at least a while or or, uh, anything in that regard. a lot of social deprivation. Now, and this is one of the things that happened when, uh, in the 70s when um, the new, the DSM-3, which is DSM is sort of our little diagnostic Bible, uh, uh, came out, uh, it uh, sort of tried to divorce psychiatry from, from psychology. Uh, and to an extent, you can understand the effort because psychology and psychotherapy itself is a very arduous process. Is it what is DSM, thing. Dr. Nardi? What is DSM? So it's, it's the name, is the Diagnostic Statistic Manual okay. of Mental Illnesses. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's a book that is um, uh, basically tries to categorize uh, different presentations that we would call mental illnesses. And uh, un- it was created with the intention to make uniform diagnosis for research. For example, but let's go back to the 60s. How do we know that a guy in England, in the UK, uh, testing a treatment for depression is calling depression the same thing we call depression here, right? So that was the initial intent of this thing. But in the absence of other, um, in the absence of other uh, options, it, it became a clinical tool mm-hmm. um, in, in a sense overused uh, because the separation between many of the disorders is quite arbitrary, you know, and, and people, usually listeners uh, and, and lay people, and by lay I mean like not involved in the mental health uh, field, which is usually my audience, uh, they know, you know, patients know what the DSM is, they can Google DSM criteria, people uh, believe they can make their own diagnosis just by reading the criteria. So, on a, right, on, I just want to ask you, I want to ask you this question. So when COVID happened, then all of these problems exacerbated because of real conditions. As you said, people were out yeah. of work. People were afraid of getting sick. You know, people lost family members. I mean, relationships were lost. So there was so much loss that it, it whatever you had, if you had, a, if you had a, a mental health condition, it got worse, correct? Or you might Absolutely. have developed one that you didn't have before. Absolutely. And, and, and it proves the point that, you know, our, our presentations and, and the way we feel are frequently a result of from subtle to very drastic variations in our relationship with 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 the environment. So as mm-hmm. a result, for example, um, and, and, and to prove a point, you know, people say, "Oh, I don't feel okay. I don't feel happy. I don't feel fine." Um, but um, the, the this change in the psychiatric field led people to believe they were supposed to feel okay without doing the things that make you feel okay. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. We, we all have emotional needs, but we are not, from a cultural perspective, we are not really um, okay with understanding emotional needs as actual needs. We believe we can just 
push away and sort of put yes. aside our, our emotional needs and, and yes. just keep focused on whatever tasks we have ahead of us without actually but addressing. But doesn't, Dr. Nardi, doesn't society teach us that? You know, take it in and suck it up and don't show emotion and just keep going through it and white knuckle it. I mean, you hear that all the time. Yes. Yes, and, and, and that's a very, I love that discussion because we don't have the measure between validation and enabling. We don't have the measure exactly where do we sit. For example, someone says, oh, I'm feeling down. And I say, okay, let's uh, fill papers for uh, uh, social security disability for you. Mm. Am I helping the patient or I'm condemned uh, or I'm sent, mm. it's a sentence patient to actually sit on the couch and not live a life that is full of possibilities? versus yes. uh, someone saying, I'm feeling down, and I say, well, you know, suck it up and uh, just keep doing what you're doing. Um, so, so what happened was, and this is a, you must have heard of mindfulness, right? Yes, of course. That, and uh, it's a big word now. Everybody's using it. We've been using it for thousands of years, right? But exactly. yes, it's, it's a big it's word a now. Concept. It's an old concept. And the thing is that psychiatry, as it is designed right now, has no absolute values. If you go through... And I'll explain what I mean. If you go through the, the DSM, this diagnostic Bible we have, uh, everything that leads to impairment or suffering is a diagnosis and deserves treatment mm-hmm. pretty much. Mm-hmm. As mm-hmm. such, we start medicalizing human problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, yeah. all of a sudden, the responsibility to feel better is not... Uh, I'll take here uh, 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 an example... Uh, let's say a lady comes to my clinic and she says, I'm feeling depressed. My life is, you know, I'm feeling depressed. And, and, and when you look at this, she is married to a guy that doesn't value her. She has ungrateful mm. children. She doesn't mm. have a job, a career. She doesn't have a sense of purpose and meaning right. that are absolute emotional needs for us. Right. And, but right. she, because of this, um, let's call uh, pharmaceutical misconception, the responsibility all, all of a sudden of feeling better relies on finding the right medication as opposed to say, listen, you may be afraid of being divorced, but this guy is not good for you. You know, you may have to start putting your interests first, which is something very difficult to do. Put yourself first. Uh, and and so, so, so I think what happens is we were told we're supposed to just be tough, Right. to a degree should help people because it gets you going. But mm-hmm. then, on the other hand, we are living, uh, uh, and that was probably until some decades ago, because nowadays every emotion, every reason to be offended became a valid reason to stay home and not go to school for a kid, not go to work for an adult uh, person. And uh, so so we went from as like a, like a pendulum. We went from... Right. From one extreme to the other extreme. To the other extreme. is perfect. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. What we're going to do next is take a break on that note because there's so much to talk about. But I think, you know, in the, to, cat, to kind of uh, recap what you're saying, you're saying that instead of us really looking toward ourselves and self-responsibility, you know, we're either allowed to scream and yell today because of what we've been seeing with so much emotion or we just take the drug because that's going to suppress it. But we're not always looking inside to see what can I do to take responsibility. I think that's what you're saying. Am I right? Beautiful. That's, that's right. a beautiful. 
<laughs> Thanks. All right. So listen, when we come back, we're going to talk more about this. We're going to talk about, you know, what you're doing in terms of uh, helping people really find their way by taking responsibility and what you're doing to help other psychiatrists and the field of psychiatry to look at that as well as medications. So you're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com. My guest is Dr. Rodrigo Nardi, MD, a psychiatrist and psychologist. And his work over 20 years covers individual psychotherapy, inpatient, outpatient psychiatry, substance use treatment, and interventional psychiatry. Stay tuned, folks. I'm Patricia Raskin. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. It's time to get real, discover who you are, and get the tools to navigate your life. It's time to rock your midlife with Dr. Ellen Albertson, the Midlife Whisperer. Your midlife roadmap is the blueprint you need to roll with change, transform yourself, and create a fabulous second adulthood. Get answers and solutions for whatever you're up against and transform problems into opportunities. Make your next life chapter your best chapter with Rock Your Midlife every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think of the world. 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to the Patricia Raskin Show. Hello, everyone, and we are back. And my guest is Dr. Rodrigo Nardi, MD, a psychiatrist and psychologist. His work for over 20 years covers individual psychotherapy, inpatient, outpatient psychiatry, substance use treatment, and interventional psychiatry. And today we're talking about... Uh, mentorship programs, we're talking about sort of what are the changes in psychiatry to work with, with, you know, with all of us in our everyday practices. So welcome back, Dr. Nori. Thank you. So 
based on our what we talked about before, you know, I know that you work with psychiatrists and you work with, you know, other people in the field to talk about other interventions beside, you know, pharmaceutical interventions and beside just, um, you know, financial support. I mean, that's certainly important when it's needed. But you talk about other interventions like helping the person understand and take responsibility. My question to you is, how do you do that? And how do you do that when a situation's really tough, like the person you described who has a, a tough marriage, tough children, out of work? You know, how do you help someone like that get that sort of motivation and confidence to move ahead? That, that's a, you see, Patricia, gosh, that's a tough question. Um, I know. In, in, in general, psychology, all different schools of thought in psychology, uh, knows that, um, you know, one of the examples I, I gave, that emotional needs need to be attended to in order to generate, um, maybe you want to call it positive emotion. Um, but, but psychiatry divorced itself from that and, and put all their energy into medications. Um, so from, a, from, a, from an ethical perspective, right, providers have to ask themselves, okay, if someone has a miserable life, but conditions can be changed, right. should I give you a medication to numb you and keep you where you are? Or... I should say, no, I don't think giving you a medication is going to help you. I, I rather work on helping you see where the things that can be changed are. And, and the opposite is also true. When you, when you see people go through things that cannot be changed, is it mm-hmm. ethical to give them a medication and say, okay, just you know, stay put and uh, endure, you know, uh, from, from an emotional numbing perspective, um, emotional numbing perspective uh, that uh, many medications have such property. So the, the challenge we face, um, and, and wh- why worry about it? One of the reasons to worry about it is, is because if you look to, we have 80 million Americans taking medications. Sure. Wow. 80 million Americans are taking psychiatric wow. medications now. And since the, 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 the let's say, the, the, the boom of the, the, the explosion of, of the psychopharmaceutical companies, the rates of disability by mental illness only increased. So we would expect an impact and have less people that are disabled by mental problems, but we have more. So so Mm. when when people, there's this uh, zeitgeist, right? There's this spirit of this era that says that whatever you're feeling is actually an illness and and people come for for pills. So we have nowadays working in the field and, and that's one of the, 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 the focus of, of my mentorship is to say how, how, ta- how difficult it is to perform this task where you say, okay, I know you're looking for a medication. I, I know you were lied. In a sense, we all lied to believe that there is such a thing as stability. Mm-hmm. Right? The concept of stability only exists as a concept. There's nothing stable in life, right. in the world. A freaking a rock is changing from one year to the next because of right. wind and, and right? So mm-hmm. the concept of stability, so you have a car, and this is a good picture. This is an easy to, to, this is a good picture. You have a car, you got the house, you got the job. And now mm-hmm. you're supposed to sit on, on this set of conditions for 40 years with no novelty, which novelty, mm-hmm. by the way, is also a need for most of us. Mm-hmm. Something exciting. You know, new yeah. things. 
so, so someone comes to me and says, oh, I'm feeling miserable. And I say, okay, and, and, and let's try to look why you're feeling miserable. And the first thing that I hear from patients is, I don't have any reasons to feel depressed. Mm. One of the things that I teach in, in my mentorship program, and I don't want to use the word teach, one of the things that I suggest people to look into is never buy into it. Don't buy into the, the problem came from my brain because there's no evidence that is true. At 40 years looking for biological markers of, of mental illness, we found nothing, zero. So I say, don't ever buy into it. Keep asking the patient, play scenarios on their mind. You know, say like, okay, if there was something bothering you, what would be? If there was something that could change about your life, what would be, mm-hmm. right? And then you start unearthing this series of things that are out of place and they usually feel, they, they usually fall un, under this umbrella of, of a, a sense of meaning, a sense of purpose, uh, accomplishments. And, and even there's a psychologist, his name is um, Martin Seligman. He more recently yes. came up with yes. a, 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 yes, I, a therapy. Yes, I know his work. Mm-hmm. Positive yeah. psychology. Yeah. Yes, in, in PERMA, right, which is the positive emotion, mm-hmm. meaning, uh, mm-hmm. uh, relationships and accomplishment, which right. which is very similar to what Maslow said decades ago about the hierarchy of needs right. that involve you know relationships, accomplishments, sense of meaning, purpose, self actualization, which are they're all in a sense uh, uh, synonyms. Mm. So I, I have a question, to, though. Can I just? I, I mean, I may be interjecting too soon, but I really want to ask you this. So, having said what you said, how do you know when? the medication is appropriate when the person really would be helped by, by the, the drug, the medication, because in some cases it's very, very helpful. But how do you, as the clinician, the doctor, the psychiatrist, how do you know? We don't. This philosophical ah. question never addressed by psychiatry. Interesting. These philosophical questions were never, ever addressed by psychiatry. And what happens in clinical practice is, and I test this. I test this thing. I'm going to explain to you. I test a lot with people that I work with, and colleagues, and students, or, or mentors, if I, if you will. Uh, I say, would you take an antidepressant? Right. And 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 then I just list a few side effects. For example, if I'm talking to a man or a married woman, I'll say, would you want your husband to take an antidepressant, considering the the potential side effects, um, considering the the that the, the research. Nowadays, we have new research showing, and there's a group at Harvard saying antidepressants are all placebo, just 100%. Really? It's quite concerning because they have a good point. There's a group in the UK called Critical Psychiatry, and uh, a lot of psychiatrists from that group, um, which is one of the many exciting things that are happening, they review this data, suggesting that antidepressants are antidepressants as opposed to just numbing agents. Except it is, doesn't it? I mean, this is what I've read, that there are um, stimulants for the brain that work on different parts of the brain that really help to reactivate those parts that may not have been working as well. So that is, that stems from a um, invented idea from the 70s and 80s that said that the cause of depression is a biochemical imbalance. Okay. And, and we have been looking for those things, but we never found anything that was re- replicated enough to say, okay, this is an actual finding. Let me, let me um, give you an example. 
Okay, then we have three minutes to the break, so go ahead. Go ahead. You are walking in the woods and you see a grizzly bear. Mm. It's useless to run, but you're going to run nevertheless. What caused the running? The bear? The fact that you have an intact brain to perceive the bear as a threat? Your legs? Or the release of calcium inside your muscles that makes the muscle contract? What caused the run? I think so all of it. You need the whole company. You need everything. Right. So you look in the morning through the window and you know about ballpark the temperature. If you're driving in traffic, you can move your car in between cars just by looking at the cars and the speed they are. So our brain is very attuned to the environment. But for some reason, we were led to believe that our mood fluctuates independently of the things that happen outside of it. Just kind of a crazy idea. I see. Very interesting. Interesting, because, again, you know, so much of what is read is that, that these components, whatever is in the, in the drug or the pharmaceutical, is replacing something that or is not in the brain. Like when you light up the different parts of the brain, like one part may not be as strong, so the drug helps that. That's what I have read. Yes, we, we were all told that to some extent, but just so happens that the brain is a wonderful machine that works much better than we guessed. And us, after 30 or 40 years looking to find lower levels of serotonin associated with depression, right, we right. have found nothing. Interesting. This that is hypothesis really was completely dis- dismissed. Mm. All right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, let's talk more about this. Let's talk about your mentorship program, you know, and, um, and let's talk more about um, mental health and, um, and what we can do. You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. My guest is Dr. Rodrigo, Rodrigo Nardi. He's an MD, psychiatrist, and psychologist. And he works with inpatient and outpatient psychiatry, individual psychotherapy, substance use treatment, and interventional psychiatry. Again, uh, I'm Patricia Raskin, and we'll be back right after the break. America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. As humans, we suffer when we believe we are not good enough. We are taught we must be better, look better, try harder, and achieve more. We cope with the stress and disappointment of life in ways that make us feel worse and keep us stuck in a cycle of unworthiness. We don't have to live this way. You don't have to live this way. Kirsten and her guests will share how self-acceptance and unconditional self-love can help you break this cycle and find freedom. Listen to Giraffe Tango Octopus, Freedom for Humans, with Kirsten Johansson, Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Do you ever have an off day? Or is your life positive and uplifting? Making Life Brighter is a forum for positive, inspired, and contemplative thought, showcasing experts in their fields, including authors, musicians, and artists. Your host, Winifred Adams, will bring to life topics to stimulate and make your life brighter. We want to hear from you. Be sure to tune in Thursdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Tune in to Melody Edmondson's The Space of the Waste radio program. This companion piece to her successful guidebook series, The Space of the Waste, focuses on body types and how to make your waist length flattering, no matter what your body type is. Guests include designers, merchandise managers, factory owners, and more. You'll also find out what accessories will complement your body shape and waist length. Tune in every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Variety. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. are listening to the patricia raskin show if you wish to call into our program today please call 1-866-472-5788 that number again is 1-866-472-5788 you may also send an email to patricia at patriciaraskin.com now back to the patricia raskin show hi everyone we are back i'm patricia raskin and my guest is dr rodrigo nardi md psychiatrist and psychologist whose work for over 20 years covers individual psychotherapy, inpatient, outpatient psychiatry, substance use treatment, and interventional psychiatry. And so, Dr. Nardi, before we start, I just want to clear something up, because I asked you this during the break. You know, I asked you, you know, where there is a place for the pharmaceutical or for the drug to help with anxiety or depression. And you commented there is a place for it. So please share that with our listeners. Yes. So um, we, I have taken an antidepressant in the past. I have used antidepressants frequently. Um, I think um, the question we have to ask is, what does the data say and where the data comes from, right? And, and then we can compare the data with personal experiences and, or, or empirical evidence, if you will. So from, from a research perspective, there's a, the, 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 there's a whole body of research saying, no, these substances actually are anti-depression. They improve depression. Um, there is also a little bit of research that was not sponsored by a pharmaceutical company because the majority of studies used, for example, to convince FDA of a given medication are sponsored by, if not the totality of them, are sponsored by the same company that makes the medication. So mm-hmm. it, it, it's hard for you to rely on that kind of data, but unfortunately, that's what most of our textbooks rely on. Um, So then we have independent research that says, well, uh, people taking these medications reported what regarding general feelings? And then they say numbing, some report anxiety, some people actually feel more apathetic. Um, What do we know from research in real uh, world conditions? There was a big trial called the STAR-D, and uh, what it did was took, like, Let's assume we take a hundred. The result is basically this. If a hundred people go today to their PCPs or psychiatrists and they say, I'm feeling down, I can't sleep, my appetite's not that hot, I can't enjoy things, which, you know, pretty much would uh, compose what we call major depressive disorder. Uh, and we give them an antidepressant. How many of them will come back and say the problem is solved? And the answer is 30 of a hundred. 30, 25 mm-hmm. to 30% of patients will say, one trial of antidepressant helped me enough. Like the problem is resolved. And then we have a little bit of an improvement in another 20 to 30%. And then the rest of people on, on, those, uh, on, on that uh, group will report nothing, right? The other problem we have, we have with research on antidepressants is that 
they are frequently discontinuation studies. For example, you take a bunch of people that are already taking antidepressants, and I want to test a new antidepressant versus placebo. So mm-hmm. what I do is I randomize them without them knowing. Half of them will take the medication. The other half will take nothing. Okay. And when you stop taking a medication, a psychiatric medication, for example, antidepressants, 50% of people that stop taking one will report moderate to severe withdrawal symptoms. Mm. Sure. So they, of course, they're going to rate worse. And yeah. it's going to look like they're doing terribly while the guys that continue on a, on a molecule that is quite similar to the previous one, because mm. the medications all are, they have a lot of overlap in terms of function, he's going to say, well, I'm, I'm all right. And the other half of the people that are taking nothing and they actually are going through withdrawal will say, dude, I'm miserable. So, that's okay. So that's how the research that is financed was uh, financed by a pharmaceutical company was usually done. Mm. Um, so, so let me ask you about substance use treatment because that's something you deal with. So how do you deal with that when you have a patient uh, with substance use issues? How do you deal with that? Because they're already, they're already taking a substance. Um, yes. It may not be an antidepressant. It's for could be you know a drug for something else. So, um, yes. how do you deal? How do you handle that? So, from 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 a, there was this conception that you cannot treat substance use disorders if you don't treat the underlying depression or anxiety. Okay. If that was true, we would have hoped that by improving depression and anxiety in any way, shape, or form, we would have better results with sobriety, but we don't. And the reason mm. for that is because addiction has a life of its own. It doesn't matter how happy you are, how miserable you are, addiction will always be knocking on the door, offering, offering you a fix. Right. So people use the expression self-medication, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as a way of saying, I'm drinking to, to not feel depressed. But once you work with patients that are struggling with addiction, you're going to hear them saying, well, I did alcohol because I was happy. I did alcohol because I was sad. I did alcohol because of this. So it, it is a problem of its own. Now, do we have an impact on the mood of someone who drinks every day, for example? Do we, can we have an impact on his mood by prescribing an antidepressant? The data is not that convincing. Mm-hmm. Right? The data is very, it, it, it's very disappointing, actually. Now, do I believe medications have a place in the treatment of, in helping people go through life? Mm-hmm. I, I want to I, I I I word it this way. Do I believe medications can help, and talk about depression and anxiety in general. Can medications help you go through life? Yes. They should help you, pat you here, pat you there. But there's a lot of questions about that that we haven't answered. How long you should do it? Yeah. Um, are the side effects worse than the problems you're trying to help? Uh, are the withdrawal uh, yeah. of medication? So, so, so Dr. Doherty, what does work? I mean, you talk about interventional psychiatry. What have you found long-term that has worked best with the people that you work with or the people uh, in your mentorship program who work with other people? I think in general, you need a, you need a thoughtful approach that is not as simple as saying, hey, you, you, you gave me all the symptoms of depression, here's a pill for that. You gave me all the symptoms of insomnia, here's a pill for that. You gave me all the symptoms of anxiety, here's a pill for that. That usually leads people that, some people will improve maybe because they were going to improve anyways, 
uh, and then they drop treatments and they go about their lives. And some people will become professional psychiatric patients because coming off these medications is very difficult. So if I have to tell you what works best is one is we have to inform patients better of what our medications can do so they don't rush to them so easily. Um, the second is we cannot buy into there's something wrong with your brain. We have to say, okay, what, what's missing in your life? It, it can be action. It can be novelty. And if you have enough novelty, it could be peace. And then you're going to say, oh, okay, Ron, so, so you really don't know. Well, we know there's, some, there's, there's a phenomenon in psychology called hedonic adaptation, meaning you start, let's say, I wanted to become a resident in the United States, right? I'm, 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 I was a physician. Uh, I'm from Brazil. I finally got a position in, my, in a psychiatric program in the in, in United States, and that kept me happy, unbelievably happy for about six months. But most, because I'm a very optimistic guy, most of my colleagues, the, the happiness settled down after two or three months. Hmm. because that's how we are designed. Society is something temporary. We are designed for change. We're designed for novelty, for meaning, for purpose. So, so if I have so, to tell you what the best approach is, we could find what's missing in this person's life yeah. and maybe yeah. use medications to help them go through the anxiety of pursuing it. Because one of the hardest things we face in psychotherapy is to have people do what's best for themselves. So a lot of this is about finding meaning, finding meaning, meaning because once you have a purpose, then it gives you the drive to do something that's going to reach that goal. Perfect. Perfect. And it's very difficult to feel well if you have a boring life or to feel well if your life is always chaotic. A matter of balance is is a matter of new things, a sense of purpose. Yeah. and, and, and of course, there, there will always be suffering. And it's funny to see how the concept of mindfulness right. that we spoke before was just right. patched on top of psychiatry because psychiatry itself has no absolute values. Right. So it's, to, uh, it, yeah, yeah. Let, let, me just, let me just question you here. I think, you know, what you're saying is we need to find purpose and meaning. And I, I do go back to that same question of that same individual you mentioned. You know, marriage is not good, children are not really there, lost the job. You know, how how do you help those people find that hope and purpose? Because once you find that purpose, it's like that little, you know, I I think of it like a step. It's like a step. It gives you a step, and then you can take the next step. So, you know, that I think that's the, the key, is helping people to find that hope so that they don't just say, no, that's it, I'm done. Yes, I think I think uh, inspiring people is is a challenge for psychotherapy in general. I think it's uh, psychotherapy is an art, and we fall behind many other forms yes. of art like movies yes. or music. They're always more inspiring. Um, so the best we can do is validate suffering. And if if I am forced to summarize what psychotherapy would be, it's validate suffering and point out personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. Mm. They listen, it's really yeah. tough boy, this is tough, what can you do to change your circumstance? And so you're really there almost as a coach for the person as well, right? It is, but in in psychotherapy, the less directive you are, the better. 
Because right. you know, when you tell there was a, there's a French author called Lacan. He's deceased, of course, but he's a psychoanalyst, and he says something very interesting. He says, in, in a psychotherapeutic diet, you know, in a relationship between a therapist and a patient, there's one person with the knowledge, and one person that wants the change. The person with the knowledge is the patient. He knows what's going on. And the person that wants the change is the therapist. People usually go for help, according to this author, not because they want to embrace the change, because life is always changing, mm -hmm. right? And usually people suffer out of embracing that change. They go there to restore an old state of affairs. They don't want to change. Mm -hmm. They want things to be back to when they were right. fine before which is impossible, yeah. physically impossible, yeah. conceptually impossible, philosophically impossible. Yeah. So if a therapist just looks at the patient and says, buddy, you've got to do something about it, then what you have are what we call in our field resistance or multiple excuses. Mm -hmm. So it's a difficult art. What you have to do is just ask the right questions to make the patient listen to his own answers and say, right. nah, and at times it takes right. a long time. Well, it does, but, but that's your work. And we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk to Dr. Nardi about the mentorship program that he has to address challenges related to psychiatric training. My guest is Dr. Rodrigo Nardi, MD, psychiatrist and psychologist. His work for over 20 years covers psychotherapy with individuals, outpatient psychiatry, and inpatient psychiatry, use substance use treatment and interventional psychiatry. You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice, and we'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Glow and Tell is the new provocative podcast from beauty expert, spa owner, and product junkie, Carolyn Holdsworth. The Southern-raised entrepreneur will share her unvarnished opinions on self-care and all things that are meant to glow, inside and out. Carolyn will be joined by guest experts who will go deep, and listeners will discover and discuss plenty about what they see and feel in the mirror each day. Questions and answers will wrap each podcast with no topics out of bounds. Don't miss Glow and Tell with Carolyn Holtzworth, Wednesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Planning for college? Tune in to Getting In, a college coach conversation for tips, techniques, and insider perspectives. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton, a former admissions officer at the University of Pennsylvania, and featuring her fellow admissions and college finance experts from Bright Horizons College Coach. The show shares what colleges are really looking for and how to highlight your hard-won achievements for the best chance at success. New episodes air every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Today, our 40s sit firmly in midlife. We are starting to feel our place and have many productive years ahead. But now is the best time to plan for our future life. Listen for 45 Forward with host Ron Roel. From retirement to health and technology to caring for our parents, no topic is off the table. We don't have a roadmap to our actual future, but we can start to plan more effectively. Tune into 45 Forward, Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. are listening to the patricia raskin show if you wish to call into our program today please call 1-866-472-5788 that number again is 1-866-472-5788 you may also send an email to patricia at patriciaraskin.com now back to the patricia raskin show hi everyone and we are back my guest is Dr. Rodrigo, Rodrigo Nardi. We're talking about a holistic approach to psychiatric care. He's a psychiatrist and psychologist. He's been in this work for over 20 years. He works with interventional psychology and psychotherapy, substance use treatment, and really helping people to make lasting changes in their life that are positive. And, you know, Dr. Nardi, I want to share something personal here because you were talking about how it really comes from that choice, that sense of purpose. And I think what has kept me going, and I have been through, you know, ups and downs and changes that have been difficult in my life, but I think what has really kept me going is there is a motto that I have from a book. The book is by Richard Bach, and it's called Illusions, and it's a parable. And in this parable, there's a seagull. His name is Jonathan Livingston Seagull. And here's what he says. We teach others what we need to learn most for ourselves. And that's what I've done my whole life. When I needed to be more positive, I then did positive living, living shows. When I needed to be a better parent, and I was in the field of guidance and counseling, and my daughter was little, I went and taught parenting. Now I'm older, I do shows on positive aging. Because it keeps me, because what happens is I'm seeing it because I'm teaching it. And I'm seeing it happen in front of me. And I'm finding those role models. So when I get discouraged, I see those people because I'm interviewing them. And that has been the, I mean, of all the, and I've had psychotherapy, I've done groups, I've done all that, all of it, you know, weekend, weekend groups, retreats. The thing that has helped me most has been doing this work every day, talking to these people and learning from them and keeping my purpose alive. I just wanted to share that. It makes complete sense to me. It's uh, something very similar happened when I, I worked four years as a psychiatric a psychiatrist in a psychiatric unit, and from there I went to work with in the outpatient setting with the drug and alcohol um, rehab. And and when I was there, I started to see that I cannot tell you the percentage. Probably seventy percent of the patients trying to stay sober were being prescribed addictive substances by their psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. And I started to feel uncomfortable with it, and I started to think uh, there there must be a better way to do this. Mm-hmm. And um, and then following that uh, occupation, so to speak, I went to uh, the outpatient setting of general psychiatry, and I started to see people receiving five diagnoses when one would absolutely suffice. Mm-hmm. Um, taking five medications, six medications, having all kinds of side effects, high cholesterol, obesity, sexual side effects, uh, cognitive side effects, you know, not thinking clearly, being unable to, to maintain a job because of excess medications. And, mm-hmm. um, and again, I said, no, we, we, we can't. We can't do this thing. So that's, that's why I put together the, the mentorship program, and uh, both of them, actually. We are about to release one in psychotherapy because... I learned that the more equipped to perform psychotherapy a prescriber is, less 
side effects is going to cause to his patients. Mm -hmm. uh, so talk more... about your mentorship program. Talk about your mentorship program. Tell us so, more about, about that. So basically, it started out of that uh, discomfort I had. And um, I, ha I started with one in prescribing and diagnosing. And uh, the original name was Sound Prescribing and Diagnosing Psychiatry. Um, usually, we cover... Uh, what guidelines recommend because, uh, you know, I have students that still may have to take the boards. Um, but also we look into those things with a more critical view, saying, okay, we have this recommendation. This recommendation stems from that meta-analysis, you know, which is a collection, it's a research on a collection of publications. And all those publications were financed by the pharmaceutical company that makes that medication. So mm -hmm. it's basically a critical view on things and with emphasis on minimizing side effects. Um, a lot of side effects uh, caused by psychiatric medications. And, and, and I was telling you before, when I asked to a group of people, would you take this medication? And they are prescribers. Most of them say I wouldn't. And then I say, well, if your patients are taking it's because you're not conveying the same information you have on side effects. Mm -hmm. So as they start doing as I do, some people still say, you know what? I think I get your point, but at this point I need something. And then we go for it. But it's a decision that needs to be shared. Um, so do I believe medications have their use, as you asked before? Yes, they do. We, we just have to figure when and the decision needs to be shared. I cannot just say, you take this. It's going to be mm -hmm. fine. Not a lot of side effects. When i actually prescribing something that I wouldn't take myself. Um, so in your, in your program, you're working with other doctors, I, I supervise, I discuss a lot with doctors, and I mentor a lot of psych NPs, psychiatric nurse practitioners. Um, with doctors, I, I have, it's a different relationship because um, it's, uh, there's something about, I don't know what it is, maybe personality traits or selection or, um, you know, how professions select different kind of people. Um, but... Uh, Discussions with psychiatrists usually are, they have to be more tactful um, because um, I think as a, as, a, as a result of maybe personality traits that are attracted to the field, but changing the minds of people in this field is very difficult. Um, I have a lot of people that think like I do. I'm not alone in this thing. You know, I'm not a, a maverick from Rhode Island. You know, I'm, I'm part of a, of a a, a greater movement that is happening in psychiatry that is reviewing a lot of the concepts that uh, that uh, 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 or a lot of the paradigm in which we were under which we were trained and starting to look at that and say uh, no I don't think that's quite right in uh, raising the, the right questions you know all uh, with the goal of uh, minimizing the damage that excesses of medications cause and uh, improve people's lives. Um, as we talk right now, we're going to be, we're going to have listeners that will say, well, but this medication helped me. I get it. It does. You know, we, we just have to figure out who's who because we are not good at that. And, and right. someone's going to be listening and saying, I tried to get off antidepressants and I couldn't. It was miserable. And antidepressants were thought to be very benign. So what we do during the, the psychiatric mentorship is to focus on that. The psychology, the psychotherapy mentorship. What I did after we have, two, we have two minutes left. So, so, and I love hearing what you have to say, but we've just got two minutes. So, just give us a quick synopsis. So, the psychotherapy part. Perfect. So what it is is um, after studying psychology for twenty years, I, I could pretty much summarize 
in tenets, what tenets are common uh, to most psychological schools of thought and uh, as to guide prescribers and psychotherapists, you know, on, on the psychotherapeutic sounds, It process. sounds like you work with people who are ha- off of, uh, having trouble getting off of the substance they may want to get off of, and that's kind of, that's the heart of your work and other people you work with as well. And there's hope because obviously you're seeing results. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Coming off medications usually is, is uh, frequently people will say, oh, I'm feeling awake for the first time in 10 years. Or, or things like that. We hear that a lot. Great. Well, thank you, Dr. Nardi. If people want to find you, how can they write to you? They can find me on uh, the, the website ZenCare. Uh, they can find me there. Uh, that's where my private practice is going to be uh, to locate me. I cover uh, Rhode Island and Massachusetts for that purpose. So if they just type my name on ZenCare, which is, they can Google it, they're going to find me there. Okay, thank you so much for being on the program. It was wonderful. Just stay on for a second. All right, folks, that wraps up this edition of the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com. You can find me, Patricia Raskin, um, on Facebook, Patricia Raskin, Raskin Resources. If you'd like to do your own podcast, I've been interviewing you know, people for years, 5,000 interviews so far. So would love to help you. Uh, Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com, and I can put you on my newsletter list as well. Remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Until next time, I'm Patricia Raskin. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of The Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.